Oh my goodness, y'all. We have Josiah Bancroft on the podcast. Hopefully I can get other people to clap with me in that. This is episode 27. It's Cosmic Dragon, a speculative fiction podcast where I interview authors, agents, editors, and the like, discussing all kinds of cool stuff about publishing, both traditional and self-publishing. Josiah Bancroft, the author of Sinlin Ascends. This dude is blowing up, y'all. They're calling uh, the first three books that are already out an instant classic. Uh, Found out through this interview that it's going to be a four-book series, and maybe even more. Who knows? We'll see. Again, I'm Sean Grigsby. I'm an author myself. I'm published currently through Angry Robot Books. I've got two out. They are Smoke Eaters and Daughters of Forgotten Light. They are available everywhere. They are also eligible for all kinds of awards. I'm eligible for the John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer. If uh, you'd like to nominate me, that'd be awesome. This podcast you're listening to is also eligible for Best Fan Cast for the Hugo Award. And I wrote a piece on Tor.com called A Firefighter's Guide to Fighting Dragons. You can check that out. Uh, you can just Google Tor.com, Firefighter's Guide to Fighting Dragons. Give it a read. That would be eligible for Best Related Work. But let's jump into the podcast. Let's jump into the interview, because it's a good one. It is a good one. Yeah. I <laughs> I'm excited about those ages, though. Like, five and three and nine. Those all sound like great ages. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like 10 months is where I'm at. Yeah, you, you just have the one? Just the one, but she feels like three. She does. She kind of fills a room. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I when you get to three, uh, which my little boy when he was three, he didn't really have the same kind of attitude my daughter does. Oh, really? um, she, oh my gosh, it's like a teenager, especially oh. with my wife. And if my wife gets under about something, she d- thins oh. her eyes and just like glares at her, and it's like good grief. And now we have a problem to where she's deciding to pee wherever and whenever she wants. Um, God. And she does that with my ex-wife as well, to where if she's mad and or, or if, if she just thinks she can get away with it, uh, she'll just uh, start peeing. And it's just like, <laughs> she knows how to go to the bathroom. Uh-huh. Anyway. But, I, you know, like it's, it's more entertaining to see what everybody does when she pees without going to the bathroom. That's, that's right. got to be fun. You know? Right. You know, this <laughs> <laughs> Let's push the domino over and see uh, what kind of chaos yeah. we can create. Yeah. But uh, this was not uh, my uh, idea of uh, discussion for the podcast. But hey, we're, we're regular people. We're not sure. some, you know, hoity-toity Absolutely. writers uh, smoking our pipes and tweed jackets and stuff. Um, so I, the intro should obviously have let people know. But just again, to let listeners know, we're speaking with Josiah Bancroft, who is the author of the Books of Babel, uh, which includes Sinlin Ascends. Uh, the next one was The Arm of the Sphinx. And the third one just came out yesterday. That's right. As of this recording. And that is The Hod King. Now, is that going to be the third and final book of the Books of Babel? No, and it's, it is a understandable like, uh, kind of uh, point of, of confusion because uh, both Goodreads and Amazon refuse to update their you know, databases and, and reflect the, the fact that it has always been a four-book series. It's a tetralogy, um, and the fourth and final book should come out in 2020. And what do you have a title for that? I have a working title that I sometimes feel confident enough, of, uh, you know, about to, to say out loud, and other times I say it out loud, I'm like, nah, I don't like it. So I, I have a working title, but it's... <laughs> It's mostly for my files. Occasionally, I get 
proud of it and I say it and I don't stand back and go, ah, it's not that great. That's so I, I don't know. I don't know. That's like with me and uh, the Smoke Eater series. The, I have no idea what to call the third book. I have no <laughs> idea. I, I, well, well, don't, don't you find that you can't really name something until you've finished it? I mean, I find it very hard to name something at the start. I usually name it kind of maybe three quarters of the way through. I'm like, oh, this is going to be called this. Oh, really? Uh, oh, absolutely. Usually for me, it's either right before I start the book or as I'm starting the book. Uh, that's that's incredible. That's a great talent. <laughs> well, it's it's not serving me on this third book, so maybe, <laughs> we'll see. Once I get contracted for it, though, maybe it'll spring to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, now, before we jump into anything else, Josiah, I have some yeah. beef with you. Because, oh. first of all, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. This is awesome. That's um, lovely. Because I, I've loved Sinlin Ascends, and um, we we were friends on Facebook. And when uh, it was suggested to me that you come on my podcast, I was like, oh, well, yeah, uh, duh. Why, why didn't I think about asking Josiah myself? And then when I go to uh, message you, you <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're no longer on Facebook. At least no. you're, per- you're personal. Uh, no, it's not, I'm not on there at all. Like, I, I completely just uh, obliterated that, that page, which – you know, of course, like your publishers and your your publicists are like, why would you why would you do that? But you know, <laughs> I kind of I kind of found myself getting overwhelmed. I don't know if you ever like feel that way, and, yeah. and uh, I needed to sort of focus a little bit. Um, and so I, 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 you know, I had to make a choice. Like, do I want to do Instagram, Reddit, uh, Facebook, and Twitter? And I was like, I can't do all four. Right. And so one had to go. Very true. Uh, Instagram for me is the one I, I'm kind of slacking on because it's like I, I don't know I, you know I can't just share my book cover every day <laughs> I, I had the exact same problem and I don't want to take pictures of soup you know what I mean like I yeah. just my life isn't interesting like everything it's not, I have a little a little baby and so you can take only so many pictures of a little baby before you start to feel like oh my god I'm, I'm marketing my baby yeah. you know and then you feel bad about that <laughs> but that's all I, I do for most of the day yeah. uh, and then I sit in a darkened room and try to write so uh, my Instagram game is weak it is weak <laughs> uh, to let uh, listeners know who may not know this uh, Sinlin Ascends was actually self-published before Orbit picked it up yeah. uh, how long was it out as a self-published book before you got an offer from Orbit. And, and how did that uh, situation come about? So I, I self-published it uh, in February of 2013. And uh, to no acclaim. I think that's fair to say. Uh, no no one like recognized it, noticed it. Um, and I, 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 you know, I tried a few things. But um, I, I don't know if I was bad at it or if it was just the wrong sort of book. I feel sometimes that like self-publishing might work better for things that are clearly quantifiable or at least that was the, the case maybe in 2013 i think it's changed more with like kind of the acceptance of new weird right. uh, but like you know i i had a hard time doing the elevator pitch and so uh, through th- my own fault and just you know the fact that it's hard to succeed as a self-publisher no one noticed it i wrote the second book on the sphinx and self-published that to even uh, more resounding crickets. Uh, no one really knows that one. I think I sold 50 copies in the first year or something, like that, or maybe the first three years. It was, it was, it was bad. Um, and then I started writing The Hod King. And I got, like, I don't know, uh, halfway through it. And uh, when you are presiding over a series that no one is reading and you're working on the third book, you kind of start to feel a little goofy about it. You know, I, I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't throw all of my eggs in this basket. Maybe I should try something else. And so I, um, 
I, I packed it in with the the hot king. I, I you know put the files uh, deep in the computer and, and sort of wrote the series off. I deleted my Twitter. I deleted my Facebook for the first time. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was just I was, I was looking for something else to do. And just coincidentally, uh, Mark Lawrence and his uh, self-publishing blog, Fantasy Off. I always get that wrong. Fantasy SP- Blog Off. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the letters are hard. Um, <laughs> so that was going on. And the book kind of got to, I think, through the first round and got knocked out in the second round. And for whatever reason, Mark picked it up. And when Mark picked it up, he really liked it he uh he um inexplicably like just just you know uh, had a connection with it uh he shared it with um his his own agent and it was through his agent that i eventually got the deal with orbit um so it was it was really absolutely a, a, a stroke of luck that came pretty much after i'd already thrown in the towel you know <laughs> you kind of get to that point i'd been working on this series for three years and you know i thought that was enough um but uh, you know, things have sort of worked out. It's, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. That's amazing to me that that you know when you first came out with, and I'm assuming it hasn't really changed much from when you self published it to after Orbit took it over. No, um, that's, that hasn't at all. Yeah, I mean, and, but that, that's just crazy to me that you know you, you had so little uh, attention on it, but once Orbit picked it up. And people started hearing about this. Like, people are going nuts over this stuff. You know? I mean, people are calling it an instant classic. Uh, I think that's the big one uh, that, yep. that, that people are saying, you know? And it's just, it's that's crazy to me because I absolutely loved it. I haven't read the the other two yet. I've only read Sudden Lunar Sentence. But uh, that's, that's just nuts to me. If it left you with a good feeling, just stop there. You know, you never know if you proceed if uh, it'll lose its luster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you liked some of the sense. And I, I did. I skipped. I skipped a large step, which is between when Mark discovered it and Orbit picked it up. It it really kind of had a second renaissance as a self-published book, and a lot of that was thanks to the community of our fantasy on Reddit. Uh, mm-hmm. They just, just, just were glommed on to it and uh, uh like for i don't know six seven eight months i was just you know flying high on self-publishing and so it's there, there was that intermediary step where I, I i really felt like hey man i could i could do this as a self-publisher but then when you get approached by a publisher that says like we'll do a lot of these things you're not really good at for you i'm like oh please i i'm <laughs> that's terrible how i marketer. am that's oh, how yeah. i am i yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so your weak spot is like the marketing? Is that what like you find the hardest? Me? Or the brand? Well, no. I mean, well, at least just the feeling that what I'm doing is working. Um, I, with Angry Robot, I mean, they do a fantastic job um, doing that kind of stuff. But I think with any uh, traditionally published author... Um, obviously with self-published, but it, with traditionally published, yes, the publisher is going to do a lot of stuff for you, but I think at the same time, uh, at least I find that you, you really have to do it yourself as well um, and kind of coming at it from two different sides. But um, I, I think that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. I, I, I was a little doughy-eyed like when i got you know the, the the call from a publisher because you know i've wanted that since i was a kid right um and so it's it's sort of uh, it's intoxicating and there's that sort of cinderella feeling of like okay now they will just 
pick up all of these anchor chains I've been dragging behind me and they'll do those things for me. And what it really is, is like they just sort of give you access to some new platforms you haven't had access to before, but you're still dragging those chains. I mean, you still got to do a lot of that stuff that you were doing as a self-publisher. Right. I guess, and it's, I don't like that it bugs me, <laughs> but it bugs me sometimes when people like find uh, either of my books that are out right now and they go, why haven't I heard about this before? Uh, I'm like, yeah. I don't either because I'm <laughs> killing myself, uh -huh. but without trying to, you know, be an, uh, obnoxious, <laughs> yeah. to, you know, to kind of get my name out there and stuff. So, yeah, that I guess that's for me the toughest part is is what I'm doing working. I mean, some of the strangest stuff I've done, I, when uh, Cocky Gate was uh, going on <clears> – <throat> And I, I talk about this all the time. But uh, when Cockygate was going on, uh, I, I, I was joking about it. And are you familiar with what, what happened with that? I was just going to pretend like I knew what was going on there. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> give, me, give, me, give me a summary of Cockygate. Sure. Basically, this uh, self-published uh, romance author, I believe, uh, she had written a series of books with Cocky as a big part of the title. So you had Cocky Ex-Boyfriend or Cocky Policeman, you know, oh, that kind of thing. And, yeah, uh, I remember this. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. she proceeded to try and copyright, copyright the word Cocky. Yeah, which is so silly. It's, it's so silly. Yeah, and then the guy after that who tried to uh, – copyright dragon slayer and then he starts you know that's that's coming onto my territory it's like mm. step off son hey. <laughs> yeah. have but, that. Uh, anyway i was just making fun of it and someone thought what i said was funny check my books out and, and let me know that they bought the book simply because of that i'm like well i'll just start making fun of stuff from yeah. now on if that's what you know does the trick yeah so but well, uh, you, you just never know what's going to bring the moths to the fire i mean i, I when people ask me, like, so what was the secret of like leaping from self-publishing to publishing? I'm like, man, like, don't don't do anything I did. I did everything wrong. You know, the, <laughs> the, the most like productive thing I ever did was just going to small conventions or mid-sized conventions, standing behind a table uh, with a smile on my face, and people randomly would walk by and be like, "What's this about?" And I'd tell them, right? You know, and that was the the, the lowest way to possibly sell but also like the most rewarding and when they did connect with that book they're like this guy actually sold that to me himself right. you know it's like i like that better than here's a picture of a bowl of soup you know <laughs> oh by the way if you like soup i've written this book about this huge tower uh, <laughs> yeah um or or is well if it the only disheartening thing um, I, and it's awesome when people come up and talk to you about your books. Uh, I've, I've hand sold at uh, Emerald City Comic Con with at the Angry Robot booth, which is awesome. Um, but you have like that one guy who comes up and he's looking at your book, and you say, "Yeah, it's about firefighters versus dragons," and that makes him go, "Oh!" and puts the book down. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you? What do you, what, what do you find exciting and, and readable? Um, <laughs> but you, you, that's the thing. It's like you have to get toughened to rejection. It is. It's like speed dating you know oh, i mean yeah. like you just have to like get a thick skin because you are going to have a ton of people disappointed yes i think i think a lot of this career uh, tr traditional publishing um especially and i can't really comment on self-publishing obviously i haven't done it but uh it, it's like every step is grueling <laughs> Or <laughs> and a learning experience. It's like yeah, going through the gauntlet, which I think is great because once you've kind of like, like you said, gotten used to the rejection, um, it, it doesn't affect you, and then you can move on to something else that 
gets on your nerves. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> like reviews. Um, so, <laughs> but Senlin Ascends and the whole series is just getting so much attention and so much praise. And, and I'm sure you're on cloud nine, if if not maybe feeling a bit surreal about it. Um, yeah, I, it's more the second thing. It's yeah, more that, you know. it's like, well, this this I, I should be more excited, but it doesn't feel real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to and 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 definitely help me out here. But to let listeners know, uh, Senlin Ascends is about Thomas Senlin, who is on a vacation with his new wife, and uh, they're going to uh, the Tower of Babel, um, which obviously is is named after the biblical one, um, but. It, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not the same one. It's just no. It shares the same name. It, this is set in an alternate universe. Um, and I, when I first wrote this, you know, the the book, I was like, should I do that? Because people get confused. But I was like, ah, this is an important conceit that I want to use. And and so I, you know, I, I went with it. But yeah, it's it's not the 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 Tower of Babel from the Bible. And uh, they're 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 on vacation. And I was actually reading this while I was on vacation with my wife so it kind of got me worried <laughs> that the same thing uh would happen and uh i'll cut out any spoilers you don't want me to share but i think it would give uh, people more of an idea of what it's about but basically uh, thomas loses his wife amid the masses of the tower and each tower has different levels and there's a, hi- a literal hierarchy uh, the higher you go up and some levels are not permissible uh to the common person um and I got to tell you, the thing I loved uh, and love about where this series is going, at least from uh, where I am uh, in the series, is that you didn't just wrap it up and have him find his wife at the end of the first book. Uh, you, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're kind of like a, a lonely soul in that fact. I've had many complaints of, wait, what? Yeah, well, that's why I say this, Josiah, is because <laughs> I as a fellow writer, I appreciate that. I saw. I I like that you did that, and I but and I also realized that I know there's a bunch of people out there that wouldn't yeah. have liked that. Yeah. But I liked it. I liked that that it, 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 to me. Um, and you can comment on 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 what your uh, process and what your thinking was in this. But it's like, well, well, this is something to to like carry the whole series. Like <laughs> this is the grand goal. Like if he reached the goal at the end of it, obviously, if you added more problems, then sure. But this is like the thing that pushes him forward. Right. Right, right. Well, it's it, this is like one of the most like sensitive parts of the book because when I conceived of it, I I, I did not want people to think of Maria as this sort of uh, you know what they call it like a fridged uh, goal. This 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 you know uh, damsel in distress who is introduced and then put in a box and the prince must go find her. I didn't want that to be the arc, you know. Um, so. At the same time, I, I really wanted to, to explore the tower through this sort of lens of panic and distress and um, this this sort of like growing sense of unease. And so, you know, it was it's one of those decisions that um, was hard to make, but I, I think uh, it was the right one. Um, and and you know, I, some some readers in, enjoy the sort of uh, intrigue of it, and some some don't. Um, but yeah, and that's the. Uh, why I, I think partly why I did it. <laughs> Do you find yourself uh, with each book that they they that it gets longer? Each book gets longer because I saw a comment uh, that someone had uh, gotten the Hod King and noticed that it was dramatically larger than the previous two books. 
Yeah, you know, I did pretty well with the first two books. The first two books, I think there's like a 20-page difference in length. And I was really proud of myself, and I was like, I'm going to stick with this. Uh, And then the third book showed up, and um, I labored over that sucker for for a long time. Um, You know, part of it is like, at this point, the, the story is so diverse like it's not it's not a sort of a linear story anymore then it just took more room to kind of let the story breathe um and so i'll I'll say this it is longer but i don't think it feels longer because there's a lot of story in there it's not like i'm pontificating about this you know magnificent feast for 30 pages like each chapter is still relatively short and each chapter like moves the plot dramatically forward like I, that, that's my rule like a, a chapter that's just sort of like uh you know descriptive or uh fun to write for me it generally ends up in the bin like it, it has to propel the, the 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 dramatic arc um and so like while it's longer so far people have been saying it doesn't feel tediously long and that's that's my goal right well that's that's to me that's what makes a good book like it can be a thousand pages but if it doesn't feel like – well, that's the thing is that a lot of people, I think, think, well, it's a long book, so it's going to drag. Well, not necessarily. There's just probably a lot of stuff to go over, and if it's done well, which I'm, I'm assuming you did. Um, <laughs> I'll let you know. Um, I, I do have the Arm of the Sphinx on my on my to-be-read pile. I've just – I've got so much stuff to read, and I'm getting, like, blurb requests yeah, you, now. You don't even have to explain. <laughs> Are you getting a lot of blurb requests now? I, I I am, um, and I'm, I'm you know, it's, it's 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 exciting because I've honestly found already like some books I'm super excited about some wonderful books. Last year, um, I, I actually failed to get the blurb in on time, but it was the book of M by Peng Shepard. And this year, uh, it's this book called The Ten Thousand Doors of January by Alex uh, Harrow. I think I just blanks the name a little bit there uh but like both of these books are books i'm really excited about and like we're ha- was happy to blurb so it's, it's it's like in some way a, a little bit of pressure but it's also a privilege to see these like new you know concepts and voices and books coming out so i but sometimes you just have to say i i can't i can't yeah, i can't take anymore it's not the 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 desire's not there it's just the time to mm. to do it yeah Totally. Well, and uh, also you you have to guard your own time to read what you want to read. I mean, as a writer, you know, you can't just have people give you things to read. I, I think like you know, I I still have to make time and room in my year to to find the books that will help inspire the next book. Absolutely. One of the ones I um, Breet at uh, Orbit uh, asked me to blurb was uh, "The Rage of Dragons" by Evan Winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he, he started out the same way. He p- self-published that book, and then Orbit picked it up. And uh, it, it's awesome. I don't know if uh, you've gotten a chance to read it yet. I haven't read it, no. Oh, man. It's, I like it. It's great. It's, it's, um, it's an African-set fantasy, and uh, there's c- class divisions and uh, war and dragons. But mainly it's, it's about, like, I love how the character – does whatever he can. It's a revenge fantasy too, which is like oh, my, my jam. Um, but yeah, it's it's awesome and and the, the magic and everything. Excuse me. But uh, let's let's talk about Simlin Ascends because I love what you do with the magic and the. I mean, would you classify this as partly steampunk? Oh God! Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, a trip to wire. 
Yeah, because I, did, I have an opportunity to, like, you know, uh, someone invited me to, like, you know, speak on some topic for the, the Philadelphia science fiction uh, community in a couple of months. And the first thing I thought of was, like, I want to talk about genre. Because it's, like, one of those things that's, like, very – okay. Well, so I started writing Sins, and I gave the, the early draft to a friend, uh, and they said, oh, this is steampunk. Uh, and I, I said, steampunk, steampunk, what? I, I had no idea what steampunk was. <laughs> Never encountered it before. And so then I kind of like, uh, you know, thought like I should educate myself, and I went and read some steampunk books, and I was like, I mean, I guess it's sort of steampunkish, but it, you know, for me, I was like emulating like the adventure stories of Jules Verne and H.G. Wells and, you know, Robert Louis Stevenson, that sort of uh, time period, which of course is part of what steampunk is, but I had no idea that that's what I was like, you know, attaching myself to. And then the other thing that people keep saying is, um, it's it's like, Bioshock Infinity? Oh my gosh, Infinite, Bioshock Infinite. That was the yeah. next thing I was going to yeah, say, yeah. Josiah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had, I had, first of all, I, I'll say this. My book was published a month before that game came out. Self-published. <laughs> but people always like ask, like, were you trying to do this? I'm like, hey, I was here first, man. Like, they were. They copied me. My, yeah. <laughs> well, obviously not. But, you know, <laughs> so it's like those sort of like touchstones, which are great for people to access the book. I don't. I don't discourage that when they say, "Oh, it's like this." I'm like, "Yep, sure, absolutely." If you want to take that in and read the book, great. Uh, it's like steampunk. Sure, yes, fine. Um, I, I'm not going to argue with that at all. But just factually, I, I had no idea that that's what I was getting into. Right. Um, and you know that you, sometimes you you don't when you're writing. You have no idea exactly what. And I, I don't like sticking with one genre. People have called uh, smoke eaters all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so what do you what do you, what do you get? What's your litany of for, genre? From Sinlin of Sins? No, for, for for yours. For me? Oh, uh well Publishers uh Weekly uh they did a star review of it and they called it a a, f- a breath of f- fresh air for the urban fantasy genre or something like that. Urban fantasy, okay. But uh-huh. no. <laughs> that was not my intention. Uh-huh. Now I could uh-huh. see where people are coming from. Yeah. When they say that, because it, 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 well, but it's in the future, you know, mm-hmm. they've got laser swords and stuff, but then you also have ghosts and, and robots and dragons. And it, so I don't know. I called it science fiction. I asked my editor because, uh, Angry Robot, I think, officially filed it under fantasy. Um, because I think, huh. well, once you put a dragon in there, they're, well, hey, it's fantasy. Well, so because like the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't have a genre. I guess I would call it science fiction just because it's in the future and has robots and laser swords. Right, but right. I, I, yeah, I got I got all kinds of different stuff. Well, what's so funny is like I feel like this sort of like boom of this like the micro subgenre has like risen with Amazon and how they sell and market books, and so we've all become very accustomed to like trying to identify our work in these very very pocketed uh, sort of restrictive genres, which are are not accurate a lot of the time right. um, sort of suits the algorithms of some of these larger you know, distributors. It's, 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 I think it's very odd. I, what I like is like how like, you know, like literature as a big genre, and I hate that word, but like, you know, literature is a big genre when they had a bunch of like guys writing stuff and women writing stuff that was just like bizarro. They're like, okay, we're going to call this magical realism. You guys, are, it's magical realism. It doesn't matter if it's in South America or Japan or Africa or Europe. We're just going like to put up this giant umbrella and call it like magical realism. And I, I like that idea, and I wish we'd go back to just calling things science fiction or fantasy. I thought that was 
20, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and are a both. Lot of people, you know, people will see that you, your book is called, or like, you know, suggested to be urban, urban fantasy. They're like, well, I don't, I don't read that. Right. But it's not like chicks in leather. Like most, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not, yeah. it's not the typical urban fantasy. That's yeah. And so if people are turned off by that, well, hell, you know, but when I, I, I got the book picked up, like, or it was like, you know, with my age and especially like don't call this steampunk that is like anathema like people hate steampunk that is not not popular right now don't call it steampunk. <laughs> and so i was like well i'm not doing that like that's not that's not something i'm flogging you know and, right. and so it's it's just it's strange how the the market tries to compartmentalize things that like kind of defy you know a very simple definition i think my book sort of straddles a lot of different genres and i'm happy with that you know because i don't really care about the genre yeah, and I agree because I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't really put it into anything. I mean, if it, probably just fantasy if I had to choose. But I mean, it's got so many elements of different things, and I think the bio sh- with the red hand I think was a huge, um, it, it, very similar to Bioshock Infinite because they've got these big hulking dudes that just go nuts kind of, and and they've got like these things going into their body kind of like Bane from (laughs) Batman I think that's the only reason I I have no problem with someone saying like you ripped off Bane I'm like yeah a little bit that's okay I'll take that hey rip off whatever you want man I rip off people say that you know my my fire captain gives me crap uh, every so often he's like oh you just wrote Reign of Fire but different well you know okay I took some elements from Reign of Fire but I did it better so whatever (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, all, all art is like, at least I'm not going Bob Dylan on you, but it's like, like at least partly theft. I mean, like you're working with the things that you've been influenced by. Yeah. That's just natural. Right. There's nothing new under the sun, as they no. say. No. <laughs> so uh, since I have not read it yet, what can you tell uh, me and listeners uh, what happens after Sinlin ascends and in the arm of this phoenix? Or excuse me, arm of this phoenix. Uh, what <laughs> <laughs> I said Phoenix. You're fine. Uh, arm of the Sphinx. Yeah. Uh, the Arm of the Sphinx is uh, where we get to see a couple of – well, so in the first book, it's about like sort of deconstructing this this character who is a headmaster and feels pretty secure in his knowledge of the world. And in the second book, it's about him being a completely broken, bad pirate. And this is not he's not a good or bad pirate, but he's a poor pirate. He's not good at it. And so he is trying to sort of scrape together a living to keep his friends alive as he continues to search for his wife. Um, but he's also trying to hang on to whatever scruples or morals he has, and he finds those things to be incompatible. Um, and so very quickly, he finds himself in these positions where he has to make uh, sort of difficult decisions about, you know, uh, uh, whether to pursue op- opportunities to, to find his wife or to continue to support his crew and um yeah and, and and along the way he gets embroiled in what is one of the biggest intrigues of the tower uh and and that's where things start to go really poorly for him um yeah so it, this is like where the the hayseed uh kind of gets sucked into the gin yeah I, and i kind of got that sense um and one uh, one of the reasons Sinlin is one of my favorite characters, and I love this type of character in general, is that he is a fish out of water, um, and but but he's not helpless. He he's very intelligent, and he uses his strengths 
to get himself well both in and out of situations and that's one thing i appreciate it especially and i hope i'm not giving a spoiler away but uh, especially with the whole thing with the painting um and and trying to heist that away that that was one of my favorite parts um because it was so well done in my opinion well thank you um yeah i i i wanted him to be a guy who had like some some resources and the fact that he is an educated person but who is also in some ways hampered by his education right and especially one of the things that uh you go over a lot is that he has read about the tower and so right. I think he kind of uses that as a crutch. In fact, he carries that book with him everywhere. And he, he uses that as a crutch to think, you know, well, this is this is what it says the tower's like. And he's realizing right. reality is very different uh, than what has been written. Um, so uh, you talked a little bit about Arm of the Sphinx. Hod King just came out yesterday. What happens in that book? Uh, the Hod King, oh boy. Uh, the Hod King is like... All these books are very different. One of the things that like people have either said as a, a point of praise or criticism is like, can't you write the same thing twice? And the answer is no. Uh, so, you know, some people are just in love or enamored with the story or the setting or the characters enough to kind of follow along as I continue to like grind its new gears. Um, and other people are like, wait, wait I, I like this one, but not that one. That's completely fair. So the third one is, again, sort of a shift uh, and it involves much more uh, intrigue within uh, so-called polite society or sort of uh, courtly dramas um and uh yeah I, I, to talk about too much is sort of giving a lot away i'll say this in the third book um thomas sinlin who you know really has been the, the the sort of focal point of the the series to that point is sort of sharing the stage and so some of the other characters who have been coming up from the beginning, uh, get uh, more of uh, the limelight, which was very purposeful. Like one of the problems with having an idea or a concept of like the tower is it's so massive and complex and diverse that if you just described it from one guy's point of view, you really would just learn about that guy's point of view and not the tower. Right. So I wanted to kind of like you know uh, break apart the, the the POVs enough that we could begin to uh, sense more of the dynamic of the tower. Um, and it was it was a this was the most complicated thing I've ever written because I also play around with uh, sort of the uh, t timeline and the sequence of things. Um, but it's 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 been a, a huge relief that so far people have not said like this is a you know disaster because like when I said to my editor I was like well either it worked or I have just laid a giant egg. So I was very, <laughs> very pleased that people generally think it's good. I, you said something I can relate to. I can't write the same thing over and over. Yeah. I, I'll try to use the same elements that I think that I think people liked right. from the previous book, but I I, I change with every single book. Well, um, you change as a person, and that too. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you grow and you read new things. You have new experiences. It's natural that like your your books would evolve too. Yeah. So, is writing a full time gig now for you, or do you still have a day job? Uh, it is my full <laughs> my full time job for the last nine months has been as a stay at home dad. Uh, that's been my full time job. Right. Uh, my my wife works full time, so that I have the privilege to stay at home with uh, my little girl Maddie. Um, and so that's been my recent full time job. Um, but yeah, I, right now that that's the only work that I'm doing is is, is on the books, um, and uh, it's been a lifelong sort of pursuit to get to this position. Right. Uh, but I won't lie. I mean, like if my wife was not 
working full time, I would be living in a van by down, down on the river. river. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I need a, a real salary to make this work right now. But I, I, you know, we have aspirations that one day it'll, it'll sort of pan out. Well, good deal. That that's my goal. Certainly, yeah. fingers crossed. <laughs> What's your uh, writing routine look like? Oh, 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 oh yeah. Um, <laughs> if you could, if yeah. there is something there to describe. Yeah. No. So um, uh, it's changed a lot over the last nine months, almost monthly. You know. You know what I mean? Like when you have, we have an infant. Like you're on their schedule, and yeah. so I write when when she allows it. Um, and so I did like some major revisions on the Hod King after she was born. I wrote like a hundred new pages, and I did that mostly at night uh, when she was sort of sleeping. Um, then she stopped sleeping altogether, and I just sort of wrote on my phone, you know, in moments I could steal. Um, we're trying to kind of like transition her into some sort of like part-time care during the day. Um, that started last week. And what happened is I would drop her off at the daycare, uh, cry all the way home in the car, get home and be like, I, I don't have time for writer's block. Like I have put my, my, my beloved girl in the arms of strangers. I've got to write this next book, you know? And so then I write feverishly for four or five hours before I go pick her up. Um, I, I hope that's not a new model because it's sort of emotionally draining but that's like kind of what we're, <laughs> we're working towards now because we realize like that you know just like practically uh, I, I need some help um, just with like child care to, to work more on the book uh, so yeah it's a work in progress that's the short answer uh, I wish like you know I always tell people that, that I wish I had some sort of ritual where I wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and I do 5 minutes of calisthenics and then I go into my study and I light the, the magic candle and I sit down at the desk and I pull out my, my you know fountain pen that I dip into the inkwell and I think that's just it's just none of that it, it's just it's a mess Josiah I don't think that is how it is for anybody <laughs> Yeah, but when I was growing up, I was sure that's how it went. I was sure. No, and I think, you know, when people have interviewed people like Ray Bradbury, Ursula Le Guin, you know, and and they said, so what's your writing routine like? And they said, oh, a thousand words a day, and I yeah. do it at 11 o'clock, and I work from 11, <laughs> whatever, you know. That's what I grew up like, listening to, like, like, like Ray Bradbury and him talking about, well, you have to write a short story every day or you're garbage. I was yeah. like, oh, that's. That's that's hard, man. And start with short <laughs> stories. Don't start with novels. I, I was yeah, on, right, yeah. I was yeah. on uh, Ditch Diggers uh, recently, and I was talking about that, and I was like, that you know, I, I, I'm just better at novels than I am short stories. I, <laughs> it, so that was yeah. for me pretty yeah. crappy advice. Yeah, yeah, but, no, no, I'm the same way. Like I wrote some short stories, and I will never show them to the world. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm starting to publish some, but it's just like I don't know. It's it's. I, there, you have so much more room to run in a novel. You do you know? Do. You can you can really, and not just as like just as far as the plot, but just like you getting to know the characters. I think that's part of the reason I probably sold the most recent story I sold is because the story was uh, based on the character. Uh, from the novel I was writing or just right. finished. So right. I had had all this experience with this character. And so, but that's, that's another weird thing is like, well, I don't suggest people go write a whole book just to write a short story to, you know, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think just some people are better at short stories than, than others. And that's one of the things I asked yeah. around at work. Yeah, no, my my experience is short stories. Just... Mm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
no, I think I just like, my my internet dropped out for a second. No, okay. and that's one of the things about like you know short stories that I discovered, which is like you know you're talking about like you know how in a novel you can explore a character more fully. I found that it's like in a short story, there's so many places to hide. There's so many like places you can just do a shortcut or sort of like um, you know a gestural sort of answer to a problem or you know it it, it, it was I, I never wrote a short story. I was like, yep, that was that was complete. It right. always felt incomplete and, and, and fragmented. Um, I, I, I just need 300 to 600 pages to say what I mean. You know, I think that's... You, 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 you're right. There's just like formats that suit certain people and others that don't. Personally, I think that like Ray Bradbury is a great example because his short stories were always better than his novels, with a couple exceptions. I think that like he was a great short story writer. Right. Um, but his novels like sometimes, you know, veered into tedium pretty pretty quickly <laughs> yeah that's very true um and a lot of times and i don't know if uh beta readers or critique partners uh for your short stories said the same thing to you but every time they would say this feels like it should be a novel yeah every single time and so i was scared i didn't really want to do a novel because then i because i looked at like what it took uh to get a novel published because traditional was like my goal from the beginning um and what you have to write a query letter to mm-hmm. to these agents and then they might say no what no and then after all this work spending a time on one book you know but thankfully i got over that but <laughs> um but we kind of got off on a tangent didn't we so uh, yeah i don't think that all those famous old school golden age authors who said like there's a website i think that lists all the different writers writing routines and stuff man if you got kids especially you you find time whenever you can and sometimes you're just like people say they can show up to the word processor tired i sure as hell can't i know i I can show up and sit there and there were many many nights in the last year where i was like all right so between 9 30 and 10 30 at night no matter what i'm gonna sit in front of the keyboard nothing else to distract me no internet just gonna do this and i that's what i did i sat in front of the keyboard that was all you know i I poked some some letters uh it was just miserable um yeah but i think like that's the thing that once people find their path to success it's very easy to capitalize upon that by telling other people, this is the path to success. Right. And one of the things I'm very determined to do with my experience of the world is be like, hey, guys, this sort of worked for me, but like, I, I, it may have been the time. It may have been, you know, I, I, the stars aligning. I don't know. I don't recommend it. You know, <laughs> I, I don't want to write one of those, like, you know, belligerent how to write books, you know, that, that are so, so popular. Uh, I, I don't want to do that. I wouldn't know where to start because I know several of my friends have had success with that, and that's great. But but who the hell am I? I don't know what to tell these people, you know, other than just do whatever you want because I don't know what I'm doing half the time. Every book is different, and half the time I'm thinking, you know, am I, am I getting better or am I getting worse? <laughs> I don't and know. That, that's absolutely what it is to be a writer. I mean, like, the show up when you're like, I'm pretty sure I'm a fraud, but yeah. I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to just, I'm just like pretend for a half hour that I can do this thing. And that's for me, what feels like to be a writer. But again, I don't feel very confident about that. I wouldn't, for example, put it into a how to book, but that's how it feels for me. Right. You know, um, but I, I think like, I, did you like go through like uh, writing programs and did you no. have any teachers? No. God bless you. Like, I, I feel like, 
I still bear the scars of people telling me like what's what and how to do things, and you know, it's like uh, it's hard to shuck the ghosts of your education and writing. I feel, um, and I'm not trying to like talk bad about writing programs because obviously they they work for a lot of people, but I've it's like it's like someone said about someone going to seminary. Uh, yeah. You're going to get what they view, not. You know what I mean? It, it's yeah. it, you're going to get their opinion on the subject, which I think writing. I mean, it, hey, absorb as much as you can, and chunk everything you can't use. And I just, I don't know. I didn't have yeah. the, the money to to do that. Like Clarion, you know about Clarion West and and, and other things like that. Uh, it's this writing program that's pretty popular, and they get all these authors to come out. Like I know Harlan Ellison went out there um, oh, okay. way back in the day. Yeah. And then they have all these people come out. And Damon Knight, who's a very famous uh, science fiction writer, uh, I've got a book by him about how to write short stories. It didn't help me at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, people go and they pay money. And sometimes they have scholarships. But they spend like six weeks at this college. And it's not part of the college. You, you don't. I don't think you get like – other than saying like I went to Clarion West – you don't get like a, a degree or anything. It's just six weeks out of your life where you write and then show people and get critiqued by these visiting authors because you get a different uh, famous author, so to speak, every single week that right. that teaches you and then critiques your stuff. Um, I know lots of people have loved it, but it's like I, I, I don't have six weeks to, to leave my family. Oh. Oh, you no. know, if I was <laughs> single and like whatever, sure. So it's like like populated by eighteen year olds and sixty year olds. I mean, you'd be surprised though, because there there are several people who who have families and who are like in their thirties, like like me, um, who I guess somehow convinced their spouse <laughs> not to go crazy oh, wow. and, and mad um, and uh. say, "Hey, I got to go," you know, do this thing. Um, <laughs> I know Ca Cameron Hurley did Clarion. Uh, um, uh, oh man, I'm losing his name. Uh, he, he was a guest on this show, dang it, and he wrote the the City of Lost Fortunes. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, but he went to it, and and yeah, but I couldn't do that. So, well, look, this is a thing. I'm I do not want to judge how anyone finds success or inspiration or education in in writing. Like I, you know, like whatever works for people works for them, and that's great because the main thing is, can you write something that you're happy with? And if you did that by going to a, a six week conference. You know, reading a book or going to an MFA program, more power to you. Like yeah. that's 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 absolutely fine. I do think though there is this sort of industry that sometimes preys upon people and takes a lot of their money and doesn't give them a lot of like help. And so oh, it's sort of one of those things where, you know, I, I'm sort of like I'm, I have mixed feelings about it because on one hand I'm like I'm not judging how people find success, but I am judging some of these means of promising success, you know? Yes. Industries that kind of like prey upon people's hopes. Uh, I don't like those. Um, but I, I, you know, I taught creative writing for several years at a community college and it was like the most like nervy thing I've ever done just because I, I felt so self-aware of like, I don't want to, ruin these kids for writing or enjoying their own writing or enjoying their own voice or pursuing their ideas you know you, you kind of feel that sense of responsibility and i do wish that more of these programs sort of had that as their bottom line as opposed to perhaps a bottom line 
and it's so subjective so you, you kind of wonder well, how do I help them in the way that will keep them from for, to, to be themselves and, and the writing to be their own writing but also like to I mean that's why I'm here I'm here to teach so yeah that's oh man that's got to be nervous I couldn't do it <laughs> I mean, you know you, you, I think actually the people who think they can't do it are probably better teachers than, than the, the, the writers who are like oh yeah I could totally do a class tonight get them all in <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to educate these kids right right regular those, those people make me nervous the yeah. people are like well what would I say I think that you can have an open conversation, you can listen, you can engage, and I mean, that's what a lot of writing is. I mean, if I gave anyone any advice for how to be a writer, it would be read a lot of books, listen to a lot of people, write a lot of words. That's that's sort of like, I think, the, the core of what it, 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 it means to, to grow as a writer. Um, but I may be wrong about that. I would no, no, it. I agree with you. Those are like the th- the three unchangeables. Um, the because you know if, if you don't read and you write, what? what? <laughs> I just yeah. I, I I thankfully don't know anybody who says that, but I know they're out there, and it just does not make any sense to me. Um, but definitely, yeah, write because I'm reading this book called Mastery, um, mm. by Robert Greene. Uh, he wrote the 48 Laws of Power, which I didn't like as much. And then him and 50 Cent wrote a book together. <laughs> Interesting. And, okay, yeah, yeah. And, but the whole book, uh, Mastery, is is about how these uh, masters in their craft uh, got to be that way. And a lot of it is just you, you, you do it so much that you gain what they talk about uh, as tacit knowledge. In other words, y- you you – know what it is for yourself and why you're doing these certain things but you really can't put it into words for somebody else Um, and i was like that clicked with me instantly because that's that's kind of where i've gotten to it's like yes i I, and back when i first started like i didn't know what the hell i was doing and i still don't but but i i know what i want to do with my thing yeah uh so and that's um, the that's the main thing like if you figured that out you've succeeded yeah totally um now because there's a bunch of questions I want to get to. I don't have them written down because I like to keep it conversational. But uh, sure. who was your editor uh, at Orbit? Uh, Bradley. And, what's and his, his last name? last name is... <laughs> so an e, Englert. Englert. Oh, he's going to kill me. If he, I hope he doesn't listen to I didn't know if you would forgotten or just... L-E-R-T, England? I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 Bradley. I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm aware of I've never said it out loud. I just realized. I just call him Bradley. Um, England, you know. <laughs> he's, he's wonderful. <laughs> he is, um, he's, he's honestly been wonderful. And, and I would say, like, he made the Hot King so much better. Yeah, uh, I know a lot of people have like different experiences with like editors. Uh, I sent it to him. Uh, he's, he's you know like cogitated on it for a little while, sent it back, and I had that you know visceral response of like, "How dare you! <laughs> I sent you the immaculate <laughs> book. I can't believe you're questioning my genius." And then like you know, it took me like three or four days, and then I sort of started going, like, "Yeah, he's got good points there." Um, and I really did like write a bunch of new stuff and changed a bunch of stuff and took some stuff out. And the book is a lot better for it. Um, and so while I cannot remember how to say his last name, uh, Bradley was uh, instrumental in making the book as good as it is. That's, if that's it is great. good, if it's bad, then it's his fault. <laughs> <All> his fault. 
that that's good though. Um, I I myself have not had any bad experiences with editors either, um, and hope I never do. Uh, but but I I do, and even with my agent because my agent is very editorial. Uh, he used to edit for Tor. Uh, he. Yeah, and I, after he gets me his critique back before we go on sub, I have to take two to three days to just sit down and not touch it and just ignore it and just feel bad about myself. But then after that, hey, I'm ready to go to work. And then when the next, the actual editor of the book gets a hold of it, I have to take two to three days as well. After. <laughs> and it's never bad stuff, but it's just, I don't know. We, we all have... It's so e- tender. It's such a tender nerve. Yeah. You know? It, even yeah. if you don't think you have much of an ego, uh, get your book professionally edited. You, you'll oh, find gosh. one. It'll, yeah. it'll crawl out and <laughs> make itself known. Uh huh. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like the the thing that that I I've benefited from the most from this whole experience probably is the editorial process. And and I think the thing that I've learned the most from this experience is don't send an email back to anyone the same day you get any feedback ever. That's a like, good piece of advice. Yeah. You can write the email if you need to. And I, sometimes I do. I'm like, okay, here's what I really think of you. And I write the email and I just save it as a draft. And then I wake up the next morning, I read it and I always think, this is a little strong. Let's wait another day, you know? And then like by the third day, you're like, <laughs> I, you know, he has a valid point. Uh, and so I think that, that just delaying that sort of trigger finger of, oh boy, I'm going to blast them with knowledge is, is, is key to success in the industry. <laughs> I've drunk emailed my agent before. And oh, then, yeah, Lord. And the next oh, <laughs> Lord. And you survived? Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because, you know, I, I could still keep it professional. I don't think he even knew. I think I told him later. But he's real, <laughs> he's real laid back, and he's, you know, I, I, and I look back, and it, I didn't say anything in, in proper or whatever, but I was just laughing because I could have. I mean, not that I would do anything rude. Like, I love my agent. We get along great, and I never have any problems. But just in case, like, I was, you know, going to drop some F-bombs, like, hey, I'm doing great. How are you, man? You know, I I didn't want, you know, thankfully I didn't do that either. Uh, Because you still got to keep, you know, for people out there, once you get an agent, you still have to keep it professional. I mean, you you can have it lax, but, you know. Well, tell us about your agent. How's uh, working? It's Ian. Correct. Yes, Ian Drury, um, uh, Sheeland, uh, UK. Uh, you know, I, the thing that's been wonderful, like when I first met with Ian, and I said, like, I, I want to pursue like repulsing these books. He was like, Let's write something new. And I said, No, I want to, <laughs> want to shop these guys. And he was like, Okay, you know. And that that's when I knew it was going to work, because I think a lot of the agents I had talked to before. Uh, when I say a lot of, I mean two, uh, they had all said, like, you got to write something new. You can't, like, once it's been self-published, it's been sullied. Like, this is this is garbage now. We can't, we can't reuse this. It has to be thrown into the trash and we start again. And I was insistent that, no, I think these books have, you know, value. And Ian believed in that. And, um, you know, that was, like, hugely important to me. And I'm always going to be grateful to him for that. But the thing that I love even more is that like the people that are in the agency have just been the most like responsive, engaged, uh, like they treat me like I'm somebody. And I, I always find that bizarre. I was like, I'm nobody. Like you don't, <laughs> you have to respond to my email. If you ignored it, I would ignore it. It's fine. You know, it's like, I don't, I, I don't feel bad. Uh, but like, they just been so, you know, welcoming and, um, supportive. It's, 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 it's just been, it's been wonderful. That's great. And you obviously proved 
those other agents wrong <laughs> because i mean yeah. look you got three I, of the books no, already I, I know but i know where they're coming from and i and I, I never like I, I try not to like dance on graves you know what i mean like yeah, i don't try yeah. to like i i i i you know the the reasons they said no looking back i'm like absolutely absolutely that makes sense absolutely um one of them said like you know uh i like your book but it reads like something that they would make you read in college and what like, <laughs> you know it's fair. It's fair. It's like it's got kind of that kind of like it's wordy. You know what I mean? And there's that kind of wordy element to it. And and that's if you're trying to sell something at an airport, like that's not what you want to put on the front. You know? Right. Lots, lots of it's very wordful. You're like no one wants to see. <laughs> so I understood. I I didn't take it personal. I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Well, let me tell you, Josiah. I I am the type of reader and writer for that matter that I. Use. I don't like purple prose. I guess mm. I don't like words just for the sake of words. Like when people say, "Oh, this book had such beautiful prose," that turns me off. Because then it's like, well, I'm in it for the story. If if the, if the words are, are are impactful, you know, wonderful. Yeah, I'm into that. But I don't like this drawn out, like pretentious. I guess is a good word. And uh, Michael Evan actually said that my writing's unpretentious, and I'm like. That's good. Well, that thank you. <laughs> but, yeah. but neither is yours. Um, it, it it does have a very lyrical quality to it, but that's a good thing. But I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't call it wordy. I think you just have a, a good grasp of of the language. Uh, that's that's that's, that's a, a kind characterization of it. I mean, I I you know honestly, like before I wrote this, I was trying to write poetry for about ten years. Uh, and I say trying because I don't think I've ever succeeded. Uh, but the poetry I wanted to write was for the, the common person, the common reader. Like, I didn't want to write poetry for the canon or academia. I was like, I want to write, like, you know, poems about, like, real people doing real things. And so while I was sort of grappling with language and figuring out how to make things sound good in a in sort of a line, uh, the, the goal was never to, like, make myself sound, you know, pompous or uh, of a certain register um and i think that that, that benefited me uh with uh, some of the sins absolutely i and it, it's and i think a lot of people feel the same way so so kudos to you all right <laughs> uh we're gonna wrap things up but i did want to ask you what what's something that you want to talk about about your books about your writing um oh actually pause before we get to that question <laughs> You are, are you going to be focusing on the fourth uh, book of Bible, or is it, it, do you also have something kind of in the back of your mind that you <laughs> might want to let us know about? <laughs> oh no, of course it has to be the fourth book. If I said anything else, my my editor would appear out of like the vapors and just just poke me in the eye. Of course, it's the fourth book. It's only the fourth. Book. Um, I, I have other sort of aspirational ideas, um, uh, but. Yeah, it's a fourth book. It's fourth book, fourth book is, is is the goal, is the focus. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, back to my previous question. So wh what is something that, you know, because I don't know how many interviews you've done in podcasts and things like that. But what so is – second. This is your only your, – only your second. Who's your first? Uh, the Grim – The Grim Tidings. Tidings, yes. And they were so sweet. They were very nice. I enjoyed oh, it. Yeah. I think it was in 2017. It's been a while. Oh, wow. Well, th then this is your first one in two years? Boom. I, I think well, that's right. <laughs> well, what's something then that you either haven't 
gotten across uh, in any interview or in even in this interview that that you want uh, listeners to know about? Uh, it's something that that maybe people just don't ask about because a lot of times people you know focus on my books in a certain aspect. But you know, I'm like, well, hey, what about this over here? You know, nobody ever asked me about this. What, what, what do you mean? Like, what what what, what would they ask you about? Like, what's, <laughs> what, what's, your, what's your missing question? Well, I've gone over it since then, but um, well, I don't know, like. Uh, with the daughters of forgotten light it's it's an all women cast um and it's very like um resist and and very grindhousey which is something i I've, i'm glad people got uh like because most of the reviews are like this is very for better or worse this is very grindhouse and late 70s exploitation type stuff and uh, <laughs> some people are really yeah. cool with that and other people are like yeah and i'm like well what'd you expect <laughs> uh and then like with smoke eaters obviously they focus on firefighters versus dragons and things like that um but i don't know a lot of people don't really focus on the themes that you're trying to get across which granted I don't go into a book trying for a theme. Um, right. it, it usually just happens organically, which I personally prefer. Um, but like with Smoke Eaters, you know, it's about the the mayor trying to uh, uh, fire all the firefighters and replace them with droids. And uh, that's something <laughs> that, that people are actually worried about right oh, at yeah. this moment. You know, that yeah, yeah. robots are going to take our jobs, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> So I guess like the thematic elements is that people people kind of forget about uh, or like they just think it's like dragons and explosions and cussing and that's it, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, yeah. there are a lot of. Don't get me wrong. Well, my, my problem is like I, I I don't like to tell people what what the books mean because yeah. I always feel like like you know I I, I I like I said I was teaching like you know writing and literature to community college for a long time and I always sort of like walk that edge of like don't. Don't tell them what it means. Yeah. You kind of like try to like guide a conversation, but like telling something what something means to you is valuable to you, and maybe sometimes helpful for them. But I, you know, I don't want to tell people what it means. I, I think yeah. that like for me, like the the sort of central. Um, Huh. One of the things <laughs> I'm trying to say this as vaguely as possible. I think there's a there's a point in. Uh, the second book where one of the characters says um, that when we cease to aspire, we begin to, to collapse. And I feel like that is an important sort of like thing to talk about as a civilization. Like, like you know, just like as a society, that's something we should like begin to talk about. I think so much of like, you know, the sort of, and I'll leave it at that. So I, I, I feel like like that there's 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 there, there's some very important themes to me. Um, like I think there's a lot of um, thematic things that I'm kind of saying about zealotry and and absolutely about um, the sort of overriding of of women's narratives uh, and how complex and insidious that is. But if I say like this is what it's about, then you know. I, I, I don't want to take yeah, ownership of that. That's that's a good point, and I, and I think I've tried to, to do that as well, um, because the book will be something different to every single person, right. and uh, some people will get what you're trying to get across uh, thematically, and other people will just say, "Yeah, this is awesome. I love the 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 red hand, and you know things like." <laughs> Like yeah, that. exactly. And have people gotten your book absolutely wrong? I mean, has that happened to you when, like, you read a review and they're like, "Oh, that is absolutely wrong." Oh yeah, oh yeah. And what do you do? I can't do anything. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm, I'm, you know, that's why I'm. 
Just let it happen. Unless I want to be that that jerk. Uh, by the way, did you? There, there, I, I saw that there was an author who got like a book deal or a movie deal or something, uh, because she basically stalked a reviewer who reviewed her book negatively, and like showed up on her doorstep and every, anything, and like totally crazy stuff, like way beyond like even just like talking trash on Twitter about it, like like really crazy stuff. And then she got a book deal out of it. another book deal <laughs> based on. Oh. Stalking a Nick, yeah, I, I just, I just. We should not reward that. We should that should not be rewarded. Well, that's what I said. Yeah, we shouldn't reward that behavior. But uh, I think it was she tried to like come at it from a. I've learned my lesson, and I know that was wrong uh, thing, okay. you know. But whatever, no, but, you're still glorifying and right. glamorizing. So, uh, Tanya Harding, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Josiah. Thank you so much for coming on Cosmic Dragon uh, to let everybody know again. Uh, three of the books of Babel are out right now. Uh, the Hod King, which is the third, just came out. And by the way, we never talked about the Hods. The Hods. Uh, ah. T- t- ah, okay. Last last thing. The Hods. No, no, no. no. You you know you can leave them wanting more. That's true. Okay. Well, find out what the Hods are by reading Sinlin Ascends and then the rest of the books as well. Uh, they're out from Orbit Books everywhere. Josiah, it was such a pleasure having you on. This is a lot of fun. I really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much.